This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me as always is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And we are joining you listeners after a nil-nil draw for Newcastle at Old Trafford. I mean, I mean to be fair, we'll, we'll, and we'll get to it, um, as you know, a nil-nil draw, there, were, there was some incident to talk about so it wasn't a completely uh, boring game, but you know, we didn't we didn't get that statement win that Newcastle were really hoping for to kind of show that we've really kind of arrived on the scene towards the top of the table. But at the same time, we've still only lost one game. A point away at Old Trafford's never a bad thing for anyone, apart from Man United. <laughs> yeah, de- decent decent result overall. Yeah, I thought it was all right. I thought I definitely thought Man United finished stronger, and it, it did feel like a bit of clinging on and desperation on Newcastle's side and you know some luck against them some luck for them but definitely at the at the start of the uh, of the game as, as we'll talk about this should, should have really been um, a penalty but you know that could have changed it maybe spiced it up for the fans a little bit but still only nine goals conceded in ten games so that is actually the best defensive record in the league after ten games um, some teams have only played nine uh, but they've still conceded more so, yeah, and a lot better than it was last season. Yeah, no, another clean sheet. Really, really good. I mean, and, and to be fair, as you said, I think I think you're right. Towards the end of the game, it, it really was all, all Manchester United. Uh, we, we were pretty sort of penned back in a half. But really, you've got to say, throughout the, throughout the whole game, we defended actually really, really well, really resolutely. Um, and that's really encouraging because, as we've spoken about before, as good a coach as Eddie Howe is, for example, and as good a team as his Bournemouth side were at, at times in the Premier League, mm. defending was never their strong suit. No, you know they, they stayed up for so long because they were good going forward. Um, but the, yeah, the fact that Newcastle have, have improved so much defensively—I mean, as you say, for comparison, um, in twenty twenty one, Newcastle conceded eighty goals in forty two games, which is impressive. Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to say abysmal, but it is almost impressive in in its awfulness. <laughs> but yeah, by contrast, uh, in the calendar year twenty twenty two, only conceded twenty nine goals in twenty nine games. Not as, great, but a lot better than it was. Well, before. that's actually pretty good. Yeah, because when you think about it, very few teams actually concede fewer games. Uh, sorry, fewer very goals. very few teams con- uh, concede fewer goals than games played, and if you do. You're really good. So actually, to be levels, really not bad at all. That's, yeah. Very few teams can actually even aspire to just being level. So that's really pretty good. And as I say, nine goals in ten, or as you said, nine goals in in ten now this season. Crazy to think that we've got the best in the league. Obviously, that's not going to last. But while it does, yeah, that's that's really good. Uh, in terms of the incidents in this game, yeah, bit of stuff at, at, at the uh, at the other end to talk about first. Mm. I mean, 
I mean, or, or Jaden Sancho, I think, also possibly had a penalty shout. But I think, frankly, he has himself to blame for Man United not receiving it because I think, yes, Longstaff does make contact and, and you could have seen it given, but I think he then makes his reaction so theatrical. It was very theatrical. I think he cost himself yeah. his chance, whereas I think Callum Wilson definitely should have had one at the other end. Yeah, no, there was clear contact there. And to be honest, I'm surprised Vardy didn't get itself involved. Um, having a look at it and and then claiming that contact for either of them, to be honest. Yeah, and then <laughs> as I, as I said last week, you know, I don't think I would as great as Joanton has been for the last sort of year or so now in midfield. I wouldn't trust him to be back up front, and unfortunately, those two headers both fell to him. Yeah, <laughs> hitting the crossbar and then the post, literally. On the re, you know, on his own rebound, um, <laughs> just back to back was it's just a shame, isn't it? Really unlucky. Yeah, that obviously that was that was by far our our best chance or best chances. Um, so yeah, just just a shame that neither of them maybe fell to Wilson or or, or even one of the defenders. But you know, it's <laughs> that's Joe Winton up front, but. Mm. Um, at the other end, yeah, a bit of stuff uh, happened. As well, I mean, we've we've spoken about. Uh, Sancho having the um, potentially, like I said, should have had, should have had a penalty himself. It was a really weird error, the theatrical thing. That, oh, I've just been headbutted in the face by a cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Um, it, like it just, if he'd literally just gone down, I think the likelihood would have been he would have probably had it. But I mean, it was. He's yeah. clearly learnt from uh, two of the biggest divers on the team. I won't even name them. We know. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean that that was. Uh... That was not great during the game. There was a, there was a bit of that from uh, from the usual suspects. I mean, not that I can say you know our players are always flawless, but that it wasn't it wasn't great. I mean, even Alan Shearer was tweeting about that, like how bad some of, some of the play acting was. From even Man uh, United fans were complaining about the play <laughs> acting of Man United players. Um, and obviously, you know, Marcus Rashford. He, I mean, he should have buried that chance at the end. Thankfully for us, he didn't. That would have been um, a bit gutting. I mean, I'm sure Man United would have felt that they deserved it after the way they, as you say, finished the stronger of the two teams. But I feel like it was a fair result. I don't think either team really played their best, but I don't think either team also played badly. So Yeah, and then, of course, we had... <laughs> who else? Cristiano Ronaldo uh, debasing himself. You know, the man literally has just got 700 goals. And yeah, okay, you can you can sw- turn this around and argue. Well, you know it's because he's got that hunger, but they, I think it was particularly unedifying him trying to pinch the ball off <sighs> Nick Pope when the ball clearly wasn't live. That obviously that's what they were arguing. The, the arm was still up, so but yeah, exactly. The referee, that. his arm's still up, but he the the Newcastle player was giving the ball to Pope to take the free kick. He hadn't taken it. Mm. The ball wasn't live. That's why Nick Pope literally just stood there like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Ronaldo thinking, oh, I'm going to be sneaking. I'm going to, I'm going to get in close. And like, Nick Pope's just like, what are you doing? Like, it would have been funnier if he then missed, <laughs> which would have been that would have amazing. actually been that would have been hilarious. That would yeah. have, that would have been chef's kiss. I know, like, as they say. <laughs> but um, yeah, obviously <laughs> there was nothing in that. Uh, and then the United players swarming the referee. You know, uh, again, all, all in my opinion, quite quite an edifying, really, but. I think, um, and ironically, the reason he hadn't put his hand down was because he was encro- encroaching on the ball. So he was waiting. Yeah, the fact that <laughs> like, all, all Ronaldo was doing was basically just wasting time. Um, 
you know. And but maybe that extra time would have been allowed the, the momentum <laughs> of Manchester United at the end of that game. It maybe that would have led to a goal for Man United. But I mean, a lot of people, as you might imagine, were saying because Ronaldo had gone off at that point. You know, if Ronaldo had been on the end of that Marcus Rashford chance, then you know he probably would have uh, would have stuck it away. And yeah, he, he probably would have. On the other hand, he doesn't have the he, he was he was taken off because you know for seventy minutes or so he had had a fairly ineffectual game. He well, he'd scored two goals that were disallowed. One that was about ten yards offside, <laughs> and then the one that. Um, we were just talking about, you know, where he where he pinched the ball. So like, there wasn't, yeah. And and we've seen it this season, really. He he's not even last season. I, I'm not going to say he played great, but you know, he got 18 goals, which is Goof. a pretty decent, um, you know, return by most oh players' standards. Cat's farted. <laughs> oh God, we we are now recording this under duress, listeners. I hope you appreciate the sacrifice. Oh, um, good lord. <laughs> the, the, oh. These working conditions. Why? You are already the centre of attention. <laughs> but you know, this season Ronaldo that you know, he's he, I mean, I know he's obviously not played a huge amount, which I think um I think fair play to Eric Ten Hag for actually having the guts to do that to, yeah. to, to drop him. But... Because I, I don't think he is the best player in that position for Man United at the moment. He doesn't he, he doesn't do, he... actually contribute all the time for a player of his standard that's what he should be doing it doesn't matter if he scores or not he should be a player that makes that ball move he should be a centrepiece a hinging centrepiece in that midfield to get it around and he's not yeah that's the thing he you know he there's a lot of talk about how he wants out in january and all the rest of it and again i mean good luck to finding anyone who'll pay your wages but the the role that he thinks he deserves he isn't good enough for. He's not mobile enough for. He he is showing his age, regardless of what kind of you know the 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 sort of athletic specimen that Ronaldo is, and certainly loves to uh, be perceived as, and not without merit, of course. But like, but he still can't actually get around the pitch anymore, like he used to, because he's thirty seven years old. He'll be thirty eight in uh, February. You know, we <laughs> at a certain point, I think he needs to just yeah, he, he needs to accept the role that he is now going to play and B ironically he does he still needs to contribute more when he's actually on the pitch yeah ironically Ericsson who is another oldish player who obviously had that major heart surgery and heart issues is a more effective player because he gets involved and passes and can pick out players and is a playmaker and that's what Ronaldo needs to be if whether he likes it or not but he needs to start making himself into a player who, you know, and I say, I wish I was that physically fit at the age of 37. Um, I mean, I'm not that physically fit now. Um, <laughs> but, um, like, uh, I, I just think he needs to realise that we, the calibre of players that Man United have at the moment, especially the uh, young players and, and on what they're training to be, I think maybe he needs to accept the fact that he's not going to be front and centre all the time. These other players are have got more on him for the pace. Yeah, maybe not the technical skills, but really, you just need to be able to pass it and run in that position, and that's what they can do better than he can. So, and and this Man United team, even as we say, maybe maybe he would have stuck away that Rashford chance. Maybe you just go, all right. Well, we are just going to stick stick him at the top of the pitch, and he does nothing, and then we try and just get him the ball in the box, and he'll 
usually stick it in the net. But Man United, this Man United team in particular... Don't play like that. And they can't afford a passenger who... All right, obviously goals are a massive contribution, but they they can't afford someone who can't contribute in any other area of, of the... Of the pitch. He's a, he's a less he's a less effective Vardy. I know Vardy isn't old, but Vardy's still got a hell of a lot of pace on him, more so than a lot of other players, and he runs all the time. And Vardy obviously isn't as good a finisher. He's still bloody good. Um, and in a way, and I'm, I'm saying that as if Leicester are actually doing anything this season, which we all know is not happening. Um, <laughs> but like, if that's the type of game that, that Man United want to play, he's still not the right player for it, as you've just said. He's not that right player. Um, I don't think it'll actually be a positive for Man United if he does leave in January. I, I actually hope, for, for their sake, that he does because I think it'll open up a lot more doors for, for um, other team uh, members to be able to come through there, which will be better for the team. And I also think it might stop some of this Namby pamby babying, I'm going to throw myself on the floor, I don't like this, I'm going to complain about this, I'm going to do this. You know, like, just shut up and get on with it. I mean, they, they won't completely get rid of that until Bruno Fernandes, Fernandes goes. Gone, but, but without, but no, you, without his you're big right, teammate to back him up, it's going to hopefully become less and less. Yeah, but obviously the main thing for us, because Ronaldo uh, tends to do pretty well against Newcastle, was that, yeah, he didn't manage to score uh, legitimately against us, thankfully. So, yeah, another point in the bank. Um, you know, we're, we're still something like six in the table, despite the fact that we've only won three games in, in ten. Yeah. And, yeah, obviously, we, we wish that more of those draws were wins. But, again, still only one defeat. That's, you know, we, we, we've, we're still in a good position. And, again, point our way at Old Trafford. You can never really um, complain too much of that, even when it's a slightly more vulnerable Man United team. And, as I say, I think on balance of play, I think we can be happy, really, with the point. Yeah, it's kind of just frustrating, isn't it? I feel bad for fans on either side going to watch it because it just felt like a bit of an an (laughs) ineffectual flapping at each other. But, you know, there we go. Nil-nil. Point. So then, uh, the news again. Unfortunately, I mean, yeah, it feels like... It's just, I feel like we repeat ourselves. It just feels like we're just... All we've been talking about in terms of the news section recently is just injuries, especially... Uh, stop me if you've heard it before, but ASM and Alexander Isak, and unfortunately, some some bad news that uh, Eddie Howe delivered over the weekend. Uh, Isak's now likely out until after the World Cup. He basically just re-injured his thigh, same sort of injury basically that he got with Sweden, which he hadn't even come back from. He, he managed to re-injure that, so he's now out um, until after the World Cup because obviously we've only actually got five games left now between now and the World Cup, so it only starts in a, in a few weeks. So, mm. yeah, obviously the hope is that he's he's back and fresh um, and rested after the World Cup, because obviously then that gives him... Because, yeah, he's now got on basically until Christmas <laughs> yeah. um, off to recover, and I, hopefully he shouldn't need that long. Um, so it should... I'm just, again, I'm trying to clutch at silver linings here, because, you know, he's obviously our big money new signing. He's got a lot of potential, and... Not his fault, of course. It's just sort of typical Newcastle, really. Curse. That yeah. <laughs> we make all these signings, we we start getting all this this squad depth, and then actually we just get, seem to get extra injuries to compensate. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately, Sam Maximan. Just unfortunately, we've I mean we've had many of these players over the years, but he's he's just such a glass cannon. Um, yeah. You know, really, really effective when he's on the pitch, but basically he's he's sort of irritated his hamstring. 
Uh, which, I mean, Eddie Howe said in itself that wouldn't really be that much of a cause for concern. That would literally just be a few days out. But it's sort of the third time that in a row that he's kind of done that, so that they're going to have to be extra cautious with him because it's obviously a recurring issue. And again, hopefully we see him before the World Cup. As good as he is, he's probably not going to be going with France. Um, so again, if nothing else, hopefully he's nice and fresh come Christmas time. But obviously... We want. We just want to get all the get all these guys on the pitch. I, I still don't think we've had Isaac Wilson, ASM, on all on the pitch together. Now you know. Imagine them with a you know renewed Miggy Almiron and yeah, and, Willard, nice and all these to... other players and Bruno. We've not had managed to actually get them all together on the pitch. And I think if we'd have had managed to do that over the last ten games, I think we would have more than three wins under our belt, and a few of those draws would have been. Would have been even better because, you know, it's um, as as we say, we feel like we're kind of just talking about this every week now. It's just uh, yeah, unfortunate setbacks for both of them now. So again, God, please, please stay fit until the World Cup, <laughs> Callum Wilson. Then you can have four weeks off and recover from whatever injuries you manage to pick up between now and then. But if you could stay fit for the next five games. That would be really useful. That would that would be very very useful. Because um, <laughs> I mean, speaking of like you know Newcastle's like recent spending stuff like that. Um, what the other bit of news that uh, we actually do have is that Dan Ashworth, the the new Newcastle sporting director, he's actually he, he spoke to Sky Sports and actually opened up a bit about his work over the summer. Um, and I mean, a lot of it, to be honest, was was pretty standard stuff about you know Newcastle where Newcastle can go and. And what we're doing, uh, which I think really we kind of know all that. But um, obviously one of the key quotes, though, was that he did say that he doesn't think there's a ceiling for us. Uh, but he also acknowledged, you know, it's a long, difficult road, given the competition we've got from the top clubs, like, you know, your Arsenal's, your Man City's, Chelsea's, Liverpool's and so on. Who You mean just pretty much anyone who's actually invested in their club? Yeah, they've got that infrastructure <laughs> in place. Because, and also they've... Yes, obviously, in theory, we have more money. But in terms of FFP, you know, because they generate all the money as well, they can spend more from that without even having to be like, owners, please give us more money. Because they've got a lot more revenue coming in as well. Uh, because, you know, we sp- the last two transfer windows, you know, since January, we've spent about £200 million. And obviously, we can't do that every window because we'll very quickly run out of that sort of cushion that we've spoken about and very quickly then start having to worry about FFP. So, for example, this January, I, I can't imagine we're going to spend anything like what we have done, um, you know, recently. But not only that, as, as the CAO, um, Darren Eels, um, has commented, the need to grow commercial revenue for Newcastle. And that, along with the club's infrastructure, which we've also spoken about, was kind of neglected by Ashley, which we all knew. Um, but, so- I mean, it's still quite, it, I mean, as you say, it's not news, but it's quite quite damning Quote, that they, uh, that from Ashworth. openly come out and said that this is the problem. I mean, I don't know, maybe they're under an NDA, who knows. But anyway, the fact that they can now sort this... <coughs> Sorry, that came out of nowhere. No. But the fact that they can now sort this and actually put in the spending will, will be a boon to... The, 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 not just the club, but the... the what's the word? City, <laughs> but to the city as well, and hopefully that'll open it up for the for the women's team, for the youth team, and all of that. Then we'll start bringing in some form of revenue. Yeah, I mean Ashworth himself, 
literally said that basically certain areas of the club have been run on a skeleton framework, as in just, as we always knew was the case with Ashley, it's just, just do the bare minimum to stay in the league and yeah. no more. Yeah. And that was, as we knew, that was the extent of Mike Ashley's ambition. And I'm for, you know, Ashworth, obviously, he's new to the club. He's coming over the summer. And it's been clear to him that, like, okay, wow, this place has been neglected for years. And I can just imagine him getting out some, like, plaster and <laughs> seeing all the cracks and just like, oh, there's, there's a lot more cracks. Yeah. And then uh, going around and there's lots of people in hard hats just walking about in high-vis jackets. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the thing, you know, as well as on the pitch... And if, if anything, we're probably slightly ahead of schedule on the pitch. There's so much work to be done behind the scenes, as you said, with that infrastructure, mm. getting all these other aspects of the club in an, just in a, in a fit state, let alone a state worthy of the ambition that we now have. Because but, but that's exciting, though. That you know, that's yeah. that's an exciting thing. Like, it's ignore the fact that we knew what we all knew this was happening, and everyone was all depressed about it. But now this is the exciting thing. It has been acknowledged that it's an issue um, and it is being slowly dealt with over time. So, we you know, hopefully we have faith in the CAO and, and, the, and the managing director and, and all that stuff that, that this is something that's going to change. Um, they've said it's going to change. Obviously, it's stuff that we can't see on a day-to-day basis. I mean, can you get any worse? <laughs> no, not really. And, and, that's, uh, and that's so the, that's it's the got thing. to improve. <laughs> that's the thing because you know it doesn't grab the headlines like a new flashy new signing. You know it 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 isn't as exciting as that. But as I said, when you when you remember how just how neglected it's been, all those other aspects of the club. I mean, the commercial revenue. You, you know, all this like, oh yeah, Ashley's a businessman, but it's like he didn't grow the commercial revenue at all in 15 years in a time when all the pretty much everywhere else in the Premier League's commercial revenue was exploding. I also think if you have a look at any of his you know, other purchases apart from Sports Direct, which we all knew was a slave market, but whatever. <laughs> um, every other thing that he's picked up, House of Fraser, Game, um, there's been others with Debenhams, all had to massively reduce their footprint, so close loads of stores, sack loads of people, and they're kind of dwindling into non-existence. So I don't think that kind of states to how well his business plan is going at the moment. But you know, hey ho, I just really he's not hope- with us anymore. <laughs> no, but he's going to pick up some. Is it rugby league teams or rugby union? Uh, well, there was talk of Worcester, but uh, let's let's not get into no, uh, I know, but too down the ma- let's said, not go down said, the Mike said, Ashley rabbit hole. I said hopes and prayers. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, next matches. Yeah, well, we've actually got. Um, we'll ha- next week. We'll have two to talk about. We we've got. We're at home to Everton on uh, Wednesday, and then away at Tottenham over the weekend. Given that this podcast comes out on Wednesdays, we won't have. We don't have too much to say about the Everton match because there's a decent chance you might. It may have even happened by the time you're listening to this, uh, listeners. But uh, one thing we will say is that it's going to be an interesting. One, I mean, Everton. I feel like haven't really been great this season again under Lampard, but. At the, they certainly struggled up front, only eight goals uh, scored so far, but only 11 goals conceded, actually, which, um, again, ju- after us, is one of the best defensive records in the league. I, so. feel, I feel they're a bit of a topsy-turvy team at the moment. I don't know what they're going to do. You're right, they are struggling, but they're not struggling, struggling. They're not the Everton that we've seen before. Yeah, I mean, they're not sort of conceding goals left, right and centre. <laughs> As I say, they've actually been quite solid at the back, which... Um, you know. They're a team in progress, and it shows, I think. Yeah, so... Uh, obviously, we're at home, so yeah, fingers crossed. Again, we can we can get another win on the board because, again, as good as we've been and as good as the last few weeks have been, 
you know, we we need more on the board, if, especially if we want to stay in touch with the top six. I mean, look, as I've said, I'll set off the top ten. But at the same time, there's no reason we can't aim to try and finish sixth or seventh because we, especially if we if we can actually get everyone fit, we do have a good team now. You know, Liverpool have been struggling. Man United again, work work in progress under mm-hmm. Eric Ten Hag. You know, th- these teams we could mix it up with them potentially. Yeah, don't get me wrong, Liverpool, especially, are obviously a much better team than us overall. But I'm just saying, you know, they've struggled a bit. Um, so far, I mean, the fact that they've then gone and beat Man City, they could well kick on and easily shoot up into the top four. But you know, th- there's no reason why we can't at least try and aim for yeah, sixth, seventh, eighth. You know, um, try and get a European place. Um, speaking of teams that are almost certainly going to get European place, Tottenham, who we've got, um, we're away at Tottenham over the weekend, and again, it's it's weird because the you look at the table and they've been very effective you know they've got seven wins and just one defeat in 10 games you know they've got a decent defensive record they've got a decent offensive record and yet when you actually watch them on the pitch it's not actually been very pretty they don't actually feel like they've played that well or been that impressive but again you look at what they've actually done in terms of just the numbers yeah you can't really fault them too much because they're up there again I feel Spurs have always kind of been this way, though. They always feel like a team that doesn't isn't quite firing on all cylinders. There's something that isn't quite in sync, and you know it doesn't stop them from going from A to B. They they win, um, but it's like, what could they do? I think it'd be really frustrating to be a Spurs mm. fan. It's like, what what could they do if everything seemed to work? Because you're right, there's there's something there that's not. And I think if you if Newcastle managed to get in a stick into that part of machinery and it and it stops working, I think you, you have every opportunity to come away with a win here. Um, but again, if they do start finding a rhythm, Tottenham will absolutely hammer any team they come against because if if they can find a way around it, then they will just keep doing it, and and that's you know that that works for them, and it has worked for them. And yeah, I, I, they're not throwing it away like like they have done before. They seem to be quite a steady team. Yeah, and I mean, as you say, in terms of being able to, on their day, blow teams away, I mean, we, we discovered that ourselves last April. You know, I mean, one, one of our few poor performances in the in the back half of last season when I said we won something like 12 of 18 games, but they hammered us 5-1 at their place, and obviously that's obviously where we, we'll, we'll be going next weekend. So, yeah, hopefully we can kind of give a better better account of ourselves uh, than we did last time, and and kind of redeem ourselves because that was one of the few really bad performances we've had under Eddie Howe. Really, so mm. if we can kind of exercise those demons a bit, that would be nice. And and you know, I mean, obviously it was a few years ago. Now I think it was twenty nineteen. We did actually win there one nil. Joelinton winner of all of all things. Uh, I'm not expecting us to go there and win, but a yeah, just hopefully we can we can show a bit. Bit more than we did last time, certainly not not get battered. Uh, but also, yeah, if we can if we can certainly maybe nick a point or something off them, that would also be a really good result given their form. I mean, they interestingly for them they've got a game against Man United in midweek. So again, well, again, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, mm-hmm. Man United can actually do us a favour now and and really kind of give Spurs a big test midweek. Um, so we'll have to we'll have to see whether they whether they can or not. But um, yeah, as I said, two two potentially tricky games, but at the same time, 
you know, we've been playing well. There's no reason we can't get results in either game. With any luck, hopefully win win the Everton match. And yeah, I mean, if we could win win Wednesday and, and maybe nick a point on 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 the weekend, that'd be amazing. But hey, we'll just have to see how it goes. Wait and see. Wait and see. But in the meantime, and I so said we'll be back to discuss both of those games next weekend. Next week, listeners, I should say. Yeah, I'm not here the weekend, so if you're doing it, you're doing it on your own. <laughs> in the meantime, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and give us a positive review, that would be amazing. And we've been Magpies Unrestricted. I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problemo. And thank you, listeners. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.